Hey, Culture Hackers, it's Robert Richman here, back with you, for you with another episode. This one I'm so excited about because it's with the author of the book, The Five-Hour Workday, uh, which blew me away. I I have not been so blown away by a culture book in a long time, and I'm so excited. So, Stephen, thanks so much for being here with us. Hey, thanks for having me on, Robert. Yeah, and... We'll definitely put some some links of, of your bio. So you're the head of, of Tower, uh, many different brands, known for the paddle boards especially, and you went on Shark Tank. I love that story in the book. Um, I think we met at Mastermind Talks. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Great group of entrepreneurs. And you know what, what's so interesting about this book I found is I, I sat on it for I think a couple years. I got it from Yannick Silver, a mutual friend. He gave it to me. And I had this feeling, and I'm curious if you have this feeling about the book, that it felt immediately before I even could pick it up and read it, like it's ahead of its time. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's something the world will grow into, in, in, in my opinion. And did you have that feeling coming out with this, like people are not going to fully get it yet? Well, when we started to get press for the book, um, it was funny. Um, so, and we did a little PR, but not a, not a ton of PR. But we got a bunch of like national appearances in the U.S. But most of the appearances were basically conservative media um, trying to debunk this idea as you know socialistic you know nonsense. Um, you know, five hour day. Um, and then and then we didn't even look outside the country, but we started to get a bunch of press interest from uh, other parts of the world. Um, and it was much more. Um, I guess taken to in in other parts of the world, and I, uh, you know, and and probably we must have got a hundred press mentions and interviews and stuff like that. But when I told people that, yeah, this thing really like uh, they really took it on in Europe, like they loved it, and my friends were like, of course they took it on, like they love that socialistic crap. And I said, <laughs> no, you don't understand. The country, uh, like some of them, like the socialistic element of the five-hour workday. Let's just you know work less, take care of your people better, but. Really, I have I look at this from very from two sides. One, I want to have an you know, extraordinary life and treat the employees well and do that. But on the other side, it's how much how do you get the most out of your employees? And I look at it from a very capitalistic viewpoint. The country that uh, really took to this, I mean, I was like on the front page of their, you know, major newspaper saying best boss in the world, this type of thing, you know, they, had, they flew TV crews over was Germany. Because Germany sees themselves as, you know, the most efficient uh, country in the world. Um, where, you know, they see the U.S. as they have the biggest economy, but of course they do. And they work 60 hour weeks and they all die of heart attacks and they're sort of fat and, and yeah. not really efficient. They're just throwing time at it. But Germany is like we're efficient. We're a smaller company, but we're still one of the biggest economies in the world. And they love this idea. Um, and they looked at it from basically both sides of it, uh, exactly how I was looking at it, you know, in a startup. That's fascinating. I, I love how it's, bo it's both a simple concept, a five-hour workday, getting yourself that efficient, really focusing on making sure you have star players who can do it in that amount of time, um, that there's a lot of nuance to it. You go into all this advice and, and all these stories about how you did it. So it's not just you're throwing out a simple concept. There's a lot of testing you did, a lot of experimenting, and we'll get to that of where it's come, gone, gone to now. But what I especially loved as, as a culture hacker myself is how you went into the history as there's a historical precedent for this, that when Henry Ford said, I'm going to take that work week down from 12 to 15 hours to eight hours, and I'm going to even increase pay, that it helped on all these different levels 
of their productivity, of their health, of their ability to spend, of, of, of all this. And it took years to catch on. And now it's actually law, the amount of time, you know, you, you can't just make people into slaves. Um, but it, it took them a while. So you, the, the book really makes an excellent case for why there's a historical precedent for this. Yeah, and that's something that I really uncovered. Uh, you know, that wasn't at the outset. I was like, well, they did this 100 years ago. We should do it now. It was, I started looking at, okay, well, why why do people even work the eight-hour day? I just assumed that it was always that way. And I, I was sort of surprised to find out, no, you know, it wasn't that way. <laughs> they changed <laughs> it. And they changed it for a lot of the reasons that I was coming to. Like, this is nonsense today. Like, why are we doing this? You know, I'm having high turnover. I need to basically renegotiate with my my staff and I can give them more of an entrepreneurial lifestyle and then I can attract the, the best people. I mean, that the really interesting historical uh, reference for me was, you know, Henry Ford that is largely credited with bringing, you know, the eight hour workday in and he did it as a competitive move. You know, he mm. wasn't, uh, you know, he, he there was some socialistic element to it, but it was almost a creepy level where, where they were sort of dictating what people should do in their lives, where he would have people go, you know, spectate people in their homes to make sure they were living, you know, the good life or whatever. But he also did this because he had a problem with, uh, you know, employee turnover. Like there was a big percentage of the U.S. population, like one half of one percent of the U.S. workforce was being maimed or killed on the factory floor because they were working these crazy hours trying to keep up with machines that had just sort of rolled in, you know, the uh, the Industrial Revolution, you know, put the assembly lines in there and they said, hey, we can have these things work 24 hours a day. So they started working people longer and longer and longer and humans can't really do that. And so they started to literally get injured and die. <laughs> and then they had massive turnover because they couldn't people couldn't keep up with this. So he had this massive turnover. So then he said, OK, I'm going to run the machines 24 hours a day. I'm going to run people eight hours a day. So we're going to have three shifts of people mm -hmm. rotating them in, do the machines 24 hours a day. And that's where the eight hour workday came from. Um, you know, then you fast forward to where we're at today. Um, we're basically working an eight hour day because it works good for factory floors when you have an assembly line. That's just nobody does that work in America anymore. I mean, we, you know, right. we don't really produce much here. Why are we still using the eight hour workday? And, you know, that's kind of what, what I'm getting to, too, is like, you know, when I, when I worked at a job, it was, you know, I was sort of judged by does he leave right at five o'clock or does he come in right at, or or is he coming in early and staying late? <laughs> And I had all these like, you know, I had a lot of good people in my company. So I had, you know, good examples. And then I had some completely worthless people that were in very high levels that basically did nothing and just clock these long hours. And I said, this is this is ridiculous. Like, why? Why is that the way to get ahead? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was sort of the impetus. And you talk about in the book about about four hour work week, and and I think you give it a lot of great credit and talk about it as your inspiration. How, how much of it was was that versus how much of it was your own realization of man after like two o'clock lunch, et cetera, like my productivity just starts to go down. Well, you know, Tim Ferriss' book had a big impact on me and a lot of entrepreneurs. I think a lot of entrepreneurs can point to that book. Um, mm -hmm. He just sort of illuminated the the idea that the, the world has changed. And as an individual, you can use this. You can outsource a lot of your life. Um, you can automate a lot of functions and get sort of other people working for you just as an individual. And so what this book does is I had always done that in my own life. And really for the last 15 years, I'd kind of been working, you know, the five-hour workday, not a four-hour work week because that's, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. I mean, he, right. to make a point, he's doing that. Um, but I was always been working this compressed day and it just sort of dawned on me one time, like, 
why can't I have my employees? Why can't I get a bunch of people like me working for me? I've got to, I've got to build in the motivations. So you got to give them their life back in, in exchange for them working hard while they're there, you know, head down while they're there. And so that's, that's really where it came from. And so it's, it's really kind of applying a lot of four hour work week, um, methods and stuff like that. Uh, but how do you do that for an entire organization instead of how do you just take advantage of that for yourself and sort of opt yourself out and get a bunch of other people doing um, stuff for you? So that's that's kind of you know where it where it came from. And then once you do that, it's the, a lot of you know new things look, happen. And I looked at the his, the historical work and I looked at just you know how different companies could use this and what types of people could use this. And it was it was you sort of strikingly broad. Yeah, it's strikingly broad. I love the the retail examples you use. You use shipping examples, and you go through it with the whole attitude of look. It's it's both an experiment and a negotiation. There are words that you use in there of of like, look, maybe this will work, maybe it won't. We've got to figure this out by doing it rather than by conjecture and opinion. And you you kind of say to your own people and to the reader, etc. Of of look, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying you have to test this out and see if it will work. Is that what you say? Would you'd say the message would be? Yeah, yeah. And a, and a big critique people give, uh, you know, my book is um, they'll say, well, it's an interesting concept, but he doesn't give, you know, a basically a blueprint of how to do this. And I, I, you know, I go back to them and I say, you're missing the point of this. But there is not like one set of rules that you should do to implement a five hour workday. What you do is you compress time for people and make them figure out <laughs> ways to work faster and force them, put pressure on them to identify, um, you know, the productivity tools they need, um, the, the, the processes they need to change. And it, it forces you, like, all of a sudden, you don't have enough time to do things, and you got to figure out a new way to do things. That's the magic of it. It's not like I can come into a company and dictate how you guys should do it. The people who are doing the jobs sort of know their own job, and mm -hmm. you, you put pressure on them. And then it allows them to work. And at first, you know, they, they clear away all the um, the waste, you know, basically, because we have we throw so much time at stuff now and you can really do your job in two to three hours that most people take eight. We work at this leisurely pace. You know, we go on Facebook while we're at work. We, do, we set our you know fantasy football lineup. We do a little online shopping. You know, uh, Cyber Monday uh, is the biggest shopping day of the year. It's a work day, by the way. <laughs> Everybody is shopping at work. Um, and so if you eliminate that waste, OK, well, there you found three hours and then. Okay, now I need uh, to identify tools or what better ways to do what I was already doing. And that process of individual experimentation with what they're doing is the magic of the five-hour workday. Yeah, I love that. I love that it's a, that it's a, a simple point. I think people listening might be saying, okay, well, wait a minute. How do I do that? Well, one, I definitely would say read the book because it goes, it goes way beyond the, just this concept. And to me, it's a both and, and the concept is so powerful that just simply framing that as a discussion with your company to say, Hey, what if we only had five hours a day? How would we spend that? What would that look like? What if we tried that for a week? What if we tried that for two weeks? That's, that's the idea I hope every culture hacker listening to that takes is that the idea of hacking is different from best practice. Best practice says you do it this exact way. And I think best practices make people stupid because it just outsources your brain. Whereas something like this, it's a framework, it's a question to ask yourself. And, and like the concept in my book, The Culture Book Blueprint, to co-create. To not just go into a smoke room by yourself or with your leaders and say, how are we going to do this? But to actually make it a conversation with the company and say, okay, what if... And what if we ran an experiment? 
Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. And this this is what entrepreneurs do for their for themselves themselves because they don't basically they don't, they're not operating off of a clock. Um, you know, if you're an independent entrepreneur, your lifestyle is basically you get in, you do your work. Uh, soon you do your work, uh, you get out of there. If you got everything running, uh, you know, like a like a tight ship, you know, you can uh, check out and go on vacation. The your, the reward is baked into your ability to do things faster. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to put employees in that same environment. Um, and you know the the as and this is a quote I believe from uh, Henry Ford. He said the pressure builds better means. That's when he rolled in the eight-hour day. He was doing this because he was trying to trying to get the machines and the people to work together. And how would be the best way to do that? But what he found that sort of surprised him is that this this sort of pressure, you know, makes people more efficient. You know, and um, the pressure builds better means, basically. Right. Right. So Microsoft, I think it was them who ran the four-day work week. And I love in the book how you make the case why the five-hour makes more sense than a four-day. But the four-day is, is still an experiment in working less and seeing if they can get the same results. And they found, like, wow, we it really worked well having this four-hour rather than a five-hour workday. Um, but the question in it becomes, is this sustainable and it was it was uh, it was interesting to read articles because I started not only did I read the book I'm like okay what's what's happened since I want to know who's doing this who's not and it was interesting the the interview that I saw with you where you were saying okay maybe this like you, I'd love to hear your words on it because you talked about it potentially being seasonal. Um, you talked about it how there's there is kind of a threat to doing this that when people spend more time on this, they 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 might it might divert their attention. So since writing the book and experimenting your own company of of doing cycles of this, what where are you at with this? What have have you learned about it? Yeah, well, there's there's two big questions you bring up there. One was you know Microsoft's experiment with the the four hour the four day. Uh, work week. Um, mm -hmm. So you're working four days, then you take three days off. Um, I think um, there's there's a lot of, uh, in this sort of shorter workday movement um, that's growing, um, there's a lot of political sides to this. And I think, you know, one big political side is, is that, you know, these corporations are making more money, they should take it easier on their workers, and they should work less. So people are coming at this with a, a, a preconceived notion. Of, mm. They like the, the four-day work week, because it sounds better for them as a worker, you know, or, or something like that, or it seems better for society or something like that. I think you really have to detach, you know, what you're coming to the table with when you look at this, because to me, a four day um, a week is a horrible idea. I mean, and, and this is from what we've learned with the five hour workday, because today, essentially what you're doing is you're, you're modifying how you work to what, you know, the assembly line of today is. And the assembly line of today is basically information flow. Um, you know, we're working across borders, um, you know, which, which, which makes us working at all different times of the, the night and stuff like that. And it's I communicate with this person, this communicate communicates with somebody else and they get back to me. And the quicker that happens, the faster your work sort of goes. Um, and so in an environment like that, where it's really an assembly line of information, you don't want the assembly line to come scree to a screeching halt. Um, so what some of the, the best entrepreneurs that I know is they work a couple hours a day every day. So seven days a week, a couple hours a day, um, because, you know, just just fielding, you know, two or three emails, even while you're on vacation, you know, for 15 minutes will keep that that uh, information flow moving. And it just makes you uh, the ability to do things faster. 
Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I want to hear the answer to the rest of, of it too. But I just wanted to chime in with that. What I realized for that, like four hour versus five. I don't know if you've ever had this. I think other people have. Where it's this idea like Friday can come too late. If you, I, I realize that if I work really, really, really hard every single day, I'm going to work like these long, long days, four days. So I'm going to just relax all weekend. I found this weird sensation where Friday would come and it felt too late in the sense of I'm just like too exhausted to even enjoy it. And now it's more like I have to recover from my work week than actually enjoy my weekend. Oh, if if they give you much longer days, you know, on the regular. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I can see that. I can see that happening. I just don't like the the idea of, you know, grinding the assembly line of information to a halt. Because then you have to sort of restart the gears on Monday. It's hard enough to do that from a weekend. Um, that's why, you know, people will sort of, uh, you know, glare at you if you're doing, uh, you know, you're on your laptop when you're on vacation or something like, oh, this guy's chained to his work. He can't get away from it. And a lot of times that's not really the case. That person is, you know, putting in 15 or 20 minutes and then they're just able to work at three, four or five times the speed of everybody else. <laughs> um, it's not that they can't get away. It's they do these little things and then they can basically have a five hour workday while they are in the office and it gives them um, the flexibility. So that was one of the, um, you know, the questions that you brought up about sort of the four day work yeah. week. But the other thing was, what have we learned from this? And there were some there was definitely some unintended circumstances of this. So we started the uh, five-hour workday year-round in, um, I think, May or June of, of 2015. And uh, we did it for two years, year-round. And the reason we changed it from year-round was, uh, well, there's one thing. Our revenues went up um, the first year by 50%. So we went from about $5 million to about $7.5 million. And then the next year, we went to like $7.2 million. So we we're sort of flat there. And then we started to come down a little bit. I mean, this was largely driven by we were in the paddleboard business, which was just, you know, this booming business. It sort of plateaued. A bunch of competition came in and, you know, the, the slow decline of that. And so we were working the five-hour workday. Everything was working fine with productivity and the, the staff. And maybe I had a staff of, I don't know, seven or nine people at that time. Um, but within a 90-day period in early, I think it was 2017, within 90 days, I lost four of my nine people at the time. And, you know, uh, one of them I fired. That one was my fault. But uh, three of the others um, left for whatever reason. One girl wanted to travel around the country in a van with her boyfriend. Another girl uh, moved to Mexico. Um, And another one took a job with like a consulting firm. And a big part of the five-hour workday was not just uh, productivity within the company, but it was also a retention and recruitment strategy. I wanted to get people, the best people in, and then I wanted to retain them. And I, I hire people pretty much straight out of college. So, you know, we're getting them for two or three years. I was like, well, well if I can get them for five, I'm, I'm happy, right? But I'm like, okay, everybody's getting paid well. Um, these are pretty senior people in my company. I, they have a five-hour workday and they're leaving. Like, what is the problem here? I don't really understand why that is happening. And so I'm like, it, it doesn't work. And I was sort of racking my brain as to what happened here. What happened is the, the culture of our company changed. Um, in those two years, because uh, before we were a startup, you know, we're working, in, everybody's working in the trenches side by side, and you form these very strong bonds. It's like going to war together, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to leave a company like that because you're not really leaving the company. When you leave a company, you're leaving the people you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those very strong bonds. Okay, so now we're on the five-hour workday. We're all walking out of the office at one o'clock. Um, what happened is the rest of your life becomes a lot larger. Now, this is a good thing, right? You know, you people aren't just, you know, focused on work, but 
that changes company culture. Um, so I found, you know, even with five hour workday and people getting paid good, they were leaving. It's like, wow, this is not working as a retention and recruitment strategy. Um, and so that was completely unintended. So I thought, well, how do we fix that? I wanted to have the benefits of being this startup working in the trenches culture and the five hour workday. So we decided we would go to uh, summers only. And that's the busiest time of year for us. We probably do 70 percent of our revenues um, between you know June 1st and the, the end of September. So that four month period. So that's when we did do the five hour workday is in the summer. And we call it like, you know, summer efficiency school. So the pressure's on, you know, things are going crazy around here and I'm reducing the time. So you really squeeze people and that forces them to find, you know, good ways to work. And they kind of know that's coming. So you have eight months of off season where we're working startup hours. So that's where we sort of build the company culture as, you know, this startup, we're doing a lot of project-based stuff and we're preparing for that, you know, busy summer month. So we did that, um, we've done that ever since. Now we're in, um, you know, COVID-19 territory right now. So this is the first summer that uh, we're not going to do the five-hour workday. Uh, you know, our, we have a couple different business units. One of them is an event business. That one completely went to zero. Um, you know, in the other businesses, we have some challenges. We sort of put one on the side. We're doing fairly well in our e-commerce businesses, um, but we've got a small staff. Uh, you know, we've kind of had to winnow that down. And so we're not going to do the five-hour workday this summer. I you know, explained this to the staff about two weeks ago. Nobody was really happy with that. Um, but they, they understand. Like we're, we're in sort of survival mode. We'll get back to it next year. Uh, but the benefit we have is we have the ability to work at this faster pace now. So if we work you know, full days, you know, eight, 10-hour days in you know, this summer, we can really accomplish two to three times what most teams our size can do because we've, we've learned to work in a faster clip. So that's power in having the five-hour workday, too, because when you need to pour on the gas, you really can pour on the gas. Right, right. And how, how transparent are you through that of saying, like, look, we're in, we're in, the, we're in battle again because of what's COVID's happening. Here's our numbers. Here's what we have to make. Here's when we can get back to normal. Like, is all that shared? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty open with, uh, you know, the staff on numbers. I'm pretty open with the media on where our numbers are and what's going on in our business. Uh, we've started um, the, the paddleboard business continues to wind down. You have a lot of pressures in the in the online space because you have basically um, Amazon, uh, their monopolistic power just getting more and more and more. And they're sort of abusing it. Mm -hmm. And then you have the same thing with with Google's monopoly power and those two forces. It's like they're taking half of all you know online sales now in the form of you know advertising or rev share or whatever so it's becoming very competitive in, in that space and you know in the paddleboard industry that's sort of a mature industry it's not growing like it was and it's maybe even declining with just a lot more competitors so that business is mature and has been in slight decline for us um, and then we started a new business uh, tower electric bikes and that is you know a rocket ship growth company so in the early stages. So we have these these multiple forces, uh, you know, we're trying to deal with. And, you know, we have, have to deal with the coronavirus thing hitting hitting all of that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to be fine, but it's pressure. Yeah. It seems to me like if if you kept your your cards close to your chest on this, there could be room for misinterpretation. People think you're just gunning them for, for more money, that maybe you're making more, et cetera. But because you're open to them, they can trust you more and say, okay, I know the real deal. I know what's happening here. Um, so that idea of, of, of transparency and openness, are there other 
key skills that you would say to leaders thinking about trying this kind of thing of like, look, you know, don't do this kind of thing unless you're being open and honest and transparent. Are there other things that you would inform leaders to do and think about as they're doing this kind of thing? Well, I, I think you want to let people know ahead of time. Like when we moved from, um, you know, five hour workday year round um, mm -hmm. to doing it in the summers, you know, I, I took my top guys aside and had sort of a sidebar meeting, just coffee. And I said, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Um, you know, I want to know you guys know that you're, you're highly valued, you know, like some people, this is going to piss off. I want to understand how you guys would feel about this. And, you know, a lot of the people that this works really good for are the people that don't even care about the five hour workday. Like, uh, you know, the, we had a, a videographer that would, you know, he would be in the week on the, in, in the weekends, you know, working in his office, like doing extra projects. He would do this while he was on vacation. He just sort of loved what he did. Um, you know, we had another guy that he had the, we gave the five hour workday. And he was sort of our operations guy. He decided, and he was a surfer. He decided to move to China, and he was going to live in the factory for six months and work there twelve hour days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you get these like hyper dedicated people that really appreciate the five hour day, but that's not why they're in it. They understand the concept. They're willing to go to work, you know. And you get those types of people, and that's what really what the 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 power of it is is you're trying to attract. When Henry Ford did this, wages and rolled out the eight-hour workday, the next month, like, you know, 10,000 people standing in line that wanted, you know, a job at his factory. And he basically went from a 7% market share of the auto industry to 60% market share in something like 10 years because he stole all the good workers from all the other companies <laughs> and, uh, you know, and took over the industry. And you know, that was important back then to have good workers. But today, it's absolutely vital. Like, if you can get the smartest, best workers – you win. Yeah, and it's interesting you use the word win. That I, what I see happening in the workplace is there's there's evolving metaphors. So it started off more with the metaphor of the military and and religion of hierarchy, and you have things like war rooms and target market, and there's all these kind of military metaphors. Win is one of <laughs> of sports, oftentimes too, where we're talking about winning, coaching, etc. And it's interesting to hear you extend the metaphor because coach sports is all about high performance and. So you started using the metaphor of like almost like on season and off season, and um, you know I, I I think there is certain there must be a certain seasonality to your business given it's an outdoor type of sports type of thing. But do you think that that seasonal metaphor uh, applies to a lot of businesses? Um, yeah, I think a lot of businesses are definitely seasonal. Um, it's it, it's great to find one that isn't, but it seems like I always end up in one that is and. <laughs> And have to I'm deal with that seasonality. That that's a good thing that like there aren't athletes who are just going all the time year round. Like they have their seasons, they slow down, they warm up, they speed up, they slow down. Like, is that even if you're not, I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you think that that like using that kind of metaphor of that rhythm of not always being on is, is helpful. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably absolutely right in that. The one thing I learned through that mastermind group where we met was, um, in, in dealing with some of these other entrepreneurs, very high level people, um, they're, you know, very successful in their careers. Um, they're also, you know, in great shape and they also have, you know, great family lives. So good in like multiple areas, which, which is not really the classic thing of you think about, you know, these business leaders would be, you know, the, the fat guy that, that golfs on the weekend, you know, he's out of shape and he's divorced and, um, you know, and he does good in business the way where you had to sacrifice one thing for these other things, right? That was sort of the model of success where today you're not limited by that model of success. And what I've learned from a lot of these entrepreneurs is they do 
uh, something called cycling, where you you take you know four months out of the year and you focus that on your family. You take the next four months and you focus that on your health, and you take the next four months and focus that in your business. Not that you're not focusing on the other things, but it's where's the core of your focus at, and you do that and you cycle it so you change it. And that is that was that was sort of baked into the five hour workday. That that's something I had learned a long time ago. Was this idea of doing something different. So when you talk about the seasonality, that's exactly it. It's like we're doing one thing in the five-hour workday, and then we're doing something else in the other season. And that, um, you know, makes it fresh. Like there's a, there's a reason people like seasons, you know, it, it just makes yeah. life a little more interesting. Absolutely. And do you think, you know, you've been in business a long time, given, like you say, everything's changing quicker, the tools are more available, anybody can be an entrepreneur. Now with COVID, people are staying home more, lives are being shaken up, people are really thinking about what's important to them. Um, do you think given the speed of change that in general, people are going to switch whole companies and career every five years anyway? Or do you think there's a chance to still have, you know, your people that you're with for decades and, and, and still taking things on together? Well, you know, I think that this people moving around is because companies don't value people. Um, you know, companies use people and now people have said, OK, if they're going to use people, we're going to use companies. Um, you know, we don't have pension plans anymore. Um, a lot of companies don't even have health care, you know, um, and, you know, people have started to do like independent stuff on the side. You're seeing, you know turnaround. I mean, in the, in the company that I have, we, we hire people right out of school just because we're dealing with sort of developing topics. And it just, it works, seems to be work better for the, that type of group. Like, you know, I can't even wrap my head around like TikTok. And so I need these young people to keep us uh, relevant, basically, um, in, in the companies all of a sudden change gears and they really prioritize their workforce. I think those companies will see people stick around a long time. And that's, you know, one thing you can address with the five-hour work is you give people their life back, you give them a good deal. I think they're interested in that because I don't think they're just interested in money and especially these, these younger generations. They want decent money, but they really want, uh, you know, meaning and they want to, uh, you know, give them their time back. Yeah, absolutely. Um and I, I wonder if part of what I wonder with the uh, with the success of, of your book, you know, you take something like Four Hour Work Week and see it exploding all over, and you know that that was no accident, right? Like he 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 not he he really worked hard to do that. He also didn't really keep going to those businesses he talked about. He's like now he's a blogger and and he's all those things. Uh, it, it, it it seems to me like part of the reason why a lot of people haven't heard about your book is because you're still focused on your business, which is great. I mean, you didn't just say, I'm going to quit this now. I'm an author and I'm going to tour the world speaking. And because it seems to me if you did, then a lot of people would know about this book. Yeah, I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't really expect it to, to sell many at all. <laughs> you know, at the last second, we decided, hey, you know, we'll spend uh, and it was not much. It was be twenty five hundred dollars a month for three months to do some PR to get some press, because really I was trying to leverage the book to help us you know, sell more paddle boards. We thought that would this would resonate with our brand. There was zero effect of that. Like people that were interested in the five hour workday were interested in the five hour workday because, you know, culture people like you, HR people. So we had no no uh, bump in our paddleboard sales, <laughs> unfortunately. But the book 
actually like people really about it. like we sold like 3000 copies of this book which i was amazed with you know our plan was we were going to you know print 5000 of these books and we're going to put one in every paddleboard we ship and you know we ship a lot of paddleboards so if we got you know 5 10 15000 books being circulated to our audience people would read that book they would say you know it was kind of like simon uh, sinek's uh, you know what's your why and this was our why of our company and we thought that would resonate with people and we thought they would pass that on to other people and that would sort of support our brand or or differentiate us and just say like this is what this company believes yeah they sell paddle boards and they sell electric bikes but here's what this company's really about and we felt that pass along would be the thing i'm not a writer an author i mean uh, i'm not a particularly good writer and i don't want to be an author <laughs> that sounds like a miserable existence to me so i wasn't writing book to see how many books i could sell uh, we wanted to give these books away, but it actually did sell uh, fairly, reason fairly reasonably. And what's happening now is, I would call it like a snowball effect. I think this book could be selling a lot 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I really see that potential now. too. I don't, I don't know what it sells. Um, and and, and I, I think it'd be interesting to hear your process with writing, because I think, did you work with Tucker on this one? Yep, yeah. So this was done, I mean, even that is a five-hour workday concept. So it was, Tucker Max's uh, company was called Gonna Box. And I heard him talk about this company. And I was just like, this is a brilliant company. This is for people that aren't writers that they can basically uh, put a book out and in an interview process. So they took the, the process of writing a book, which, you know, most people think you go check into a, you know, cabin in the woods somewhere and you spend a year uh, and just it sounds miserable to me to try to like pump out a book, right? Unless you really have something to say, but his process was, well, you do, you know, seven, uh, you know, two hour phone calls. Uh, they're going to transcribe that writing, take it overseas, bring it back. So it's going to be very conversational style book. And then they're going to have uh, so it's your words. And then they have an editor sort of edit it and, uh, and, and reorganize that, uh, those thoughts into a book. And it, uh, it all got put together and I'm like, wow, this like is like better than I write. Uh, it's my words, but it came out being like, you know, a fairly interesting book. And, you know, all I really wanted to do was get across this concept and say, this is something that other companies, uh, you know, should look at. And I think uh, it, it, it's really scary to a lot of companies when I tell them they should try it. I think you, you asked a question before, like, what would you, you recommend to these companies they should do? And one, one of you said was a transparency. But another thing is, you should do a test of this. You should do, a, every company should do this and just say, we're going to do a three or four month test of the five hour workday. You got to walk out the door at one o'clock and force people to figure out faster ways to work, but letting them know ahead of time, this is just a, you know, a summer vacation. We're, we're going to change things up for a while here. We're going back to the regular schedule in the fall and by squeezing them for time for three or four months, you're going to, everybody's going to think about how they're working. They're going to find productivity hacks. They're going to find productivity tools and be forced to start using them. And then when you flow back into the, your regular uh, workday, you're going to have people that work twice as fast. Totally. Totally. Well, yeah, I definitely recommend getting the five hour workday to do that. Also in my book, the culture blueprint, the, the beta blueprint section tells you specifically with any culture program how to limit that scope so that you can learn the most but limit any potential downside with it um, with any type of culture invention that you're doing um this this really psychs me up i think that that you know four hour the four hour work week was really done for 
for for individual entrepreneurs and five hour work days is like the scaled version of that where if it's not just you and you're looking to have your cash muse and everything and you're actually responsible for people and maybe even delivering a huge result that uh that this is an incredible resource that'll that'll make you think you don't necessarily have to do it but it just it'll make you think differently about work Yep, and I think people need to start thinking differently because the the, the world has changed. I mean, and it's now it's changed again. You know? Yeah, I've heard from people now, and I, I'm curious if you have anything else to share in it. But that there, I, I, people at companies who are saying that they are doing three hours of work, they're getting as much work done as they were in the office without all the interruptions. Um, and they're they're actually there's one company they had a they had an amazing space here in the San Diego area of like this gorgeous office. They went home. To, for during COVID, they found they're working less, getting more done, and it surprised me because they they're such a fun group and they have an amazing office. But they said we we don't want to go back. <laughs> yeah, I I think one of the things is if you have that sort of toxic work culture of who arrived first and who arrived latest, um, and it's, you're not really getting any more productivity for that. There's a real disincentive to go to the office. Um, in, in my book, I talk about, I think people should be in the office. I do not like the idea of telecommuting. I mean, you do it in, in rare instances where you have to, like, like now. But I think you want all the people on the, on the field at the same time, um, you know, because you have that sort of what I call idea sex of, you know, you throw an idea over the wall, that person can bounce back. And if you get a bunch of smart people in a room, that is the power. That's why, you know, innovation happens in cities because you get more smart people in a, in a, in a closer proximity. So I think having people in the office is critical, uh, but you got to give them, uh, you know, a shortened time in the office, I think. So that's why five hour workday, but in the office, I think what people by working remotely, they're realizing that if to get the same amount of stuff they're doing, they can probably do it in two or three hours and nobody knows any difference. Um, and so that's where they're coming to the realization. So they're probably, it's, it's, it's what Tim Ferriss talked about in his book. Once you can separate yourself from the crowd, then you get your work done fast and then you can start doing, you know, other stuff. And everybody has sort of been forced into this now. And they're like, oh crap, we got to go back to the office now and go back to these, this farce of working, you know, 10, 12 hour days to impress somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if people get a uh, paddle board from you, will they get a book as well? Or do they need to go buy the book on Amazon? Nope. Uh, we, we put one in every box. So yeah, pretty much anything you buy from us, you'll get a book. Um, the books are available on, on Amazon. I think you can only buy the, um, like the ebook. We have physical books here, but I don't even think we sell them on our site. Um, we could probably do a much better job of selling this book. And I suppose if it really, if things really take off, I will look at, okay, how do we get, um, how do we start moving books? But that's not really the our core focus. Yeah. Well, I, whether it be you or somebody else, I, I do hope more energy is put into this. The, 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 just the same way that like, you know, Tim, Tim came out with a second book that had more case studies. Cause I think, I think it's going to happen. And whether you're leading that charge or, or somebody else, um, it's going to happen. Like I said, this is a book that's definitely ahead of its time. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on, uh, on culture hackers today, Steven. I appreciate it, Rob. Thanks for the, uh, the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. Culture Hackers, we will see you next time.